best term, you know, today we'd understand Christian liberty, that we are, you know, that uh, we are allowed uh, certain things. Uh, and here, it, directly, it's talking about things that have been, and, and specifically, we're going to get into it, but it's going to be, uh, it's talking about meat and drink uh, that was uh, somehow dedicated or offered uh, to idols, uh, or at least that it was being, uh, that would you partake of it, uh, knowing that it came from the temple, or you would be in the temple uh, for something some sort of you know some sort of ceremony uh, and you would be partaking of food in the temple not the temple of God but in a in a false a temple of a false god and so uh, all of that hopefully makes sense in a minute but uh, just to, to give you an idea of the direction of of our, our our world and our Christian world as I was preparing this lesson I read an article by a pastor and this is what he said uh, in his very first paragraph, he wrote quite a bit about uh, Romans chapter 14, but in the very first paragraph, here's what he states. He says, Paul stated that we are absolutely free to decide for ourselves on non-essential issues like eating, drinking, dancing, music, and movies. And I looked at that, and, and, and I thought, he didn't say anything about that. This has nothing to do with what he's talking about. And, 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 I just thought, and I just put this down. I thought, what a foolish statement and what a statement that will mislead the simple and the young Christian into destruction. Paul says nothing of the, uh, of the sort like, like uh, that or about those things. First of all, he only mentions meat and drink because they were the items that were used in the idol worship or somehow was what was being partaken of in the temple. And that's what he's dealing with this whole, whole time. He does not say that Christian liberty, they get this statement, and I'll, and I'll refer back to it again, <clears throat> but he does not say that Christian liberty negates God's instructions and direction about what we drink, what we watch, how we move our bodies to music, or the type of music we listen to. It doesn't say that, you know, that Christian liberty negates all the teaching about those things. Uh, does that make sense to everybody? I mean, uh, you have Christian liberty, and, and of course, what we do, and it's such a misunderstood thing, uh, liberty is not the right to violate God's direction or God's commandments. That's the, it never is meant for that. Uh, do, do, can I do most anything and still be saved? Yes, I can, <laughs> uh, because I'm saved and because I have eternal life. But that does. But liberty doesn't give me the right to do anything. Uh, so, anyway, verse fourteen says, "I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is him it is unclean." Now, again, understand the context that's being read here. Uh, when he says nothing, he doesn't mean that everything out there is okay. What he's saying is, is that nothing that you eat or drink, whether it's in a, a, a temple of a false god or whether it's, you know, in the local restaurant that they had them, um, he's saying meat or drink is not clean or unclean. God has already established that. He did that with Peter. Uh, there's, it's not unclean. It's not, we don't have the dietary laws and we don't have the, uh, even some of the ceremonial laws that might make us 
feel like this is, this is unclean. He's saying that, that this, this food, this drink, uh, none of this, not, there's not one piece of meat in there, or you know, whether it's lamb or whether it's beef or, or whatever it is, it's, it, none of this is unclean. And so he's saying, uh, but, but then he says, but he, he does a qualifier, but him that esteemeth anything to be unclean to him, it is unclean. And, and we're going to get to, you know, at the very end, he's going to, you know, kind of clarify this. He's, he said, because if you, if you eat something and the whole thing is, is that there were people that understood that, that things were not unclean, that, that we were past from that. We, had, we were in Jesus Christ. We were in grace, and we were in Jesus Christ. We're no longer under the, any of the laws of the Jews. Uh, no longer uh, salvation wasn't going to come through that. We were no longer the, under the dietary laws, uh, you know, the, which had been made abundantly clear uh, by the whole illustration with, with Peter. And he said, so... Uh, all these things are clean, but there were people that understood that, and they understood that, that okay, this meat is okay. This, this meat, maybe they're selling in a shop that's uh, connected to this, uh, this idol worship temple, or uh, we, uh, uh, and I'm getting way ahead of myself, but, but there were, at this time period, just like any other time period, there were celebrations for weddings, celebrations, for funerals, all kinds of celebrations and things. And they would, in fact, use temple rooms for these celebrations. So, but there would be meat and drink that would be served in these celebrations, but they would be inside. It would be like us renting out uh, part of our building for somebody to come in, which they often ask us about it doing, and I just really have never felt good about uh, doing that sort of thing. And so... Uh, that you know, some group might want to rent uh, our building, our fellowship hall back there, and and have a meeting and have food, uh, and so. Uh, they would do that in those, those temples, those temples of false gods. They would do that very thing. during. They had a social life just like we have a social life. And so they would come in there. Now, uh, it, the people, there were people, Christians, that understood if they went in there and, and for a wedding, for a funeral, for whatever uh, other activity, maybe the you know, rite of passage sort of things for maybe some young person, the... Uh, <clears throat> They would come in and, and they would sit down and eat, and they understood that this meat is not bad. It's not, it's not uh, going to, you know, it's not a sin. It's not going to send me to hell. And, 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 uh, and this drink is, is, you know, because we're in his temple, it's okay. Now, there were people that understood they could do that. But there were also people that had gotten saved, and they would come through idol worship. And because they came through idol worship, they thought, that, wait a minute, I know what goes on in that building. I know what they do in that building. I know what they're worshiping in that building. I know where I came from and what I came out of. I can't see, there's no way that I'm going to go in there and partake of meats. That, that's where they offer these things, and that's where they're worshiping these gods. And watch this, they also, young Christians at this time, they may not have... They understood that they had accepted the one true God, but they may believe that that other God that they worship is, is real. He's just not the true big G God. He's a little G God. They didn't understand that, that he didn't exist at all. You understand? They didn't have that concept, and so they're like, 
wait a minute, I can't go in there and participate in anything that has to do with that little G God because then I'm honoring him and I got saved away from him to God Almighty. And so there's, and that's what he's, he's, we need to, and and the first thing that you have to do uh, in all this as we enter into chapter 14 is, is go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, we got to compare Scripture with Scripture because 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is, is going to talk about the very same thing. And hopefully you don't mind, but I'm going to read through 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And you'll see uh, how important this whole issue was really uh, to God. And he used Paul to write it, but, but how important this issue is because it's going to be talked about again with the Corinthians. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now it's touching things offered unto idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. He's saying, do you understand? Everything that we're talking about here is going to be pointed to the stronger Christian. Paul really is, is slapping the stronger Christian. He's putting it on the stronger Christian. He's saying, okay, you have knowledge. He said, but watch this, your knowledge puffs you up. He says, knowledge puffed up, but you know what we should have? Charity. Charity edifies. Don't go be telling people, as is happening today, hey, man, there's nothing wrong with drinking this and doing this. Of course, they're in a totally different ballpark, and, and they don't understand what they're saying. But, but they're condemning people who believe they shouldn't do it. And, he, he said, and they're saying it because of their greater knowledge. Okay, Paul's saying, okay, your greater knowledge, you're puffed up in it. What you need to have is charity toward these people. Okay, maybe they don't know everything you know. God bless you. But you ought to love them. Now, it's if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. So what he's saying is we know that they don't exist. We know these other gods, they don't even exist. I mean, they're made out of metal, they're made out of wood, but, they, but in reality, the God that they're worshiping doesn't even exist. Okay, so... For though there be, uh, be that are called gods, little g, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, what he's saying is they, they, get, they got all kinds of them. There's hundreds, there's thousands of them. They create them all the time. He says, but to us there is but one God, the Father of whom all things, and uh, we in him and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom all uh, are all things and we by him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. See, not everybody understands that those other gods do not exist. There is one God. Not everybody understands it that way. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. They, he said, some are still looking at it saying, now, wait a minute, time out. They think they're, they're real. And you shouldn't be doing that when offering to a little G God, uh, an honoring little G God when you have the eternal God. Okay. 
Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God. He said, you know what? Eating meat is is not going to make you uh, better toward God. For neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee which hath knowledge sit at, a, at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? So he's saying, you know what? Listen, they, you're going to encourage them to do something against their conscience. And you know what? God's saying, you don't, we should never encourage people to go against what they feel God wants them to do. Because once you do that, you say, well, okay, but this is not a, they got to understand this is not a sin. And so we, come on, just eat it. Come on and just eat it. It, What's the big deal? When you encourage them to go against their conscience about this, you've just helped to sear their conscience toward things that are sin. Now, and truth. Now knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you sin, go so against the brethren. Notice what it says there, but when you sin. You see the sin in this? The sin in is when you care more about yourself and what you get to eat than you do about how it affects your brother. You sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest, my, <coughs> lest I make my brother to offend. Now, this is about two distinct issues, meat and drink offered to idols of false gods and stronger and weaker Christians. This is what all of uh, you know, chapter 14 is about. It's about uh, meat and drink offered to idols of false gods and stronger and weaker Christians. The celebration of many cults were closely bound up with civic and social life since religion and politics were uh, indivisible in, in ancient uh, in ancient what's called Hellenistic life. If Christians took part in civic life, they would have been expected to participate in festivals, in uh, sacrificial meals in some form or another. Individuals might also receive invitations to banquets at a temple since rooms could be rented out for private functions like church halls are today. It's all the things that I've already said. But, and, it's, and you see this in... in uh, if you just research and you see historical, you know, Josephus type of things. Um, and so, and, and, and these types of things, you know, whether it would be weddings, childbirth, birthdays, all those kind of things, they would take, take place. Now, the strong reason what does not exist cannot connect, contaminate us. That's the way the strong looked at this whole thing. What doesn't exist can't hurt me. It can't contaminate me. Therefore, we are free to participate in the banquets if we so wish. The weak Christians were converted pagan, pagans and their past associations of the sacrificed food with pagan rites and shrines uh, were too strong for them to eat in good conscience. They just, they said, I can't be a part of this. They did not have the strong liberating knowledge in the, in the emotions and sensibilities, but felt pressure from the strong to imitate them. And this is where the strong was in error. They were encouraging them to, go, to violate their conscience. Now, All right, the whole issue was that some were so young in their Christianity that they struggled with the reality that other gods were not real. 
Yes, they were trusting the God of gods, but they had always believed that there were little g-gods, and therefore it would be blasphemy for them to partake of the foods uh, in the temples, even though it might be for other events. And so the the so-called stronger realized that other gods did not exist, and therefore the temples were just buildings and the rituals were meaningless. Ultimately, it comes down. Here's what it comes down to. The so-called stronger who should be guided by the love of Christ and the love for his brother should be willing to give up those things that would hurt his brother. And that's what Paul is, is teaching through all this chapter. And we see it made clear in verse 15. Now, it took a long time to get from verse 14 to 15, but it says, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. He said, if your brother's been grieved by what you're eating and what you're trying to encourage, if he's being grieved by that, he said, then you're not walking in love. You don't really love him like you're supposed to. And he says, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. It's all about how much do we really love each other. It seems that today we lose ourselves. I mean, we love ourselves so much that we are, we are determined to have freedom regardless of how it affects other people. So I'll say to them, now, in the world today, now, they don't really understand what this whole passage is about. They want to apply it to things that are directly commanded against. They want to go to alcoholic beverages and say, see, I'm free to do this. Now, as far as your eternity is, you're free to do that. But it, at the very least, could you not look at this passage in, 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 in uh, Romans chapter 14 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and understand, even if it was okay, which it's not because it's directly commanded against by the Bible. And, this, and all this teaching has nothing to do with those things that have a direct command against them. Look, you're not free to commit adultery. I'm sorry, it may not send you to hell if you do, but I'm just telling you, you're not free to do it. It's going to destroy you and destroy others. And so... the. the you would think, though, okay, if you somehow are convinced that these things, that, that sensual dancing is okay. Now, I look, I'm going to just, you're going to hear this from me, right from my own lips. All dancing is not wrong. Do you understand? If we could go back to, to, to what original dancing was, and original dancing, if you go to Scripture, was really jumping up and down for joy. Okay, that dancing is not wrong. You do it at every ball game. Some of you did it when Alabama won. You jumped up and woo-hoo! That's dancing. Okay? But what they have today is dancing. That's, look, that's sensuality. That's, that's lasciviousness. It's sexual all just performed to music. But here's what they do. They want to say, okay, no, 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 I'm free. I'm liberated. I can do all of this. Well, if that's really, you believe it's all okay, can you at least apply these chapters of the Bible and realize that you're hurting other people? And if you really loved others, you wouldn't do it just because you're hurting others. 
Does this make sense to anybody? So if you're really such an incredibly strong Christian, then you would be willing for my sake, knowing that it's going to hurt me. Let me just tell you, folks, you play the wrong kind of music over here, and this old body remembers it. So you may think you can play it, but let me just tell you, all I got to, it's going to start going. I don't, you don't do that to me. You understand? Just don't do it to me. You say, well, I have a right. You have a right to do whatever you want to do because you're going to have to face God for whatever you do. But God clearly says, don't do it to those. You're supposed to love others like you love yourself. And you love yourself so much that you want to be able to do whatever you want to do. Why don't you love others just like you love you? Okay, so verse 16 says, Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. If we're really doing good, then we would be a blessing and an encouragement to others. And uh, our good, our liberty becomes evil when we do it in spite of the effect it has on others. Let not your good be evil spoken of. You, you say what I'm doing is good, but it's evil the way it harms other people. The kingdom of Christ is not about what you eat or drink, but about righteousness, peace, and joy. And when we care more about our right to eat or drink than we do about righteousness, peace, and joy, then we actually are being unrighteous. We are destroying peace and removing joy. To serve Christ is to love him above all, but also to love others above our own desires, rights, and privileges. And this is reemphasized again. He backs it up. God makes a statement and he backs it up with another verse. He says, verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. He's telling us how to edify another. And he says, so so let's just, let's be at peace with each other. And you know what? We can be at peace with each other because if I know something offends Brother Hopper, if if I just love him enough, then I'm just not going to do it. Okay, do you understand? There's, there's plenty of times, if I really believe what I'm doing is okay, there's plenty of times I can do it when he's not around. There's plenty of times I, that I can, in privacy in my home, I can do it. You know, or watch this. Even if, if I come to the point and say, you know what, I'm just never going to do that again. What have I really lost? I love him enough to say, I just won't do that. But that's not the way we live in America today. It's, it's, I'm going to do what I want to do because I can do it. I have the right. I'm at liberty. So don't tell me I can't do this thing. Well, you're hurting me. And you, know, you ought to not want to hurt me because you know you believe I'm so weak. And since I'm so weak and you're so strong, won't you love me enough? I think often what appears to, what thinks it's strength is really weakness, and the weakness is actually stronger. Now, 
It says, for meat destroy not the work of God. The dietary laws are no more. There are no other gods. So that offered to them and provided in their temple does not negate your salvation. It really will not and cannot destroy the work of Almighty, uh, what Almighty God is doing. But the real danger is in the attitude of the so-called stronger Christian. Now, verse 20 says this, all things indeed are pure. But it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. Now, often I believe that this, this verse is misunderstood. And again, because we take verses and we let them stand alone and we don't even bother the context to read into the next verse. Most that I read about, most would interpret this to mean that the weak should not eat if it, uh, of it, <coughs> it, you know, because it's, if, it, if they feel like it's wrong, so they're offending themselves. They're hurting themselves by this. But in reality, this is a command, this verse, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. This, is a, this is verse is directed toward the stronger, that he not eat and be an offense. You say, how do you know that? Because that word offense, one of the definitions of it is stumbling block. It's saying to the stronger, don't eat this and cause them to stumble. Now, this is again, it's reemphasized and clarified by verse 21. It is good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended, offense, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Saying, look, you know what? I believe I can do this. And they say, fine. But you don't have to do it to prove it. It's between you and God. Now, <clears throat> happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned. Now, this is talking about so-called the, the weaker uh, uh, Christian is when he, if he goes to, he should not, okay, uh, if, if he's going to eat, he needs to eat and drink only that which he doesn't in his conscience feel like is condemning him. Don't let it, somebody intimidate you to do it. Hey, let me just tell you, in this day and age, and again, these two things don't really cross over, but they believe they do. When somebody tries to shove something in front of you to try to get you to, to, to drink something or, or they get you to listen to something or they get you to go somewhere and do something, trying to convince you that you have liberty, L listen, if that something's pricking you in your heart, the Holy Spirit is speaking in that still small voice in your ears saying, you don't need to be there, you don't need to be doing that, you don't, don't violate that. Don't let anybody convince you to violate that. And they're out there. Christians, and they're out there. And, and listen, they don't want to go into that. Truth is, I believe a lot of them, this is what they have done. They violated their own conscience. Because there's someone inside of them called the Holy Spirit, if they're really saved, that's telling them, First of all, this has nothing to do with this passage. I've already told you those things are wrong. And, and I went to an extreme when I said, you know what? Fornication is wrong. Adultery is wrong. Okay, so there's no way that you can prove that in Christian liberty you're okay to do it. 
It's the same way that there's no way that you can prove that today's modern, sensual, sexual dancing, there's no way that you can prove that's right because it is lasciviousness, because it is sensuality, because it is lust, because it is causing somebody to think and dwell on things that they should not be thinking and dwelling, the way people gyrate their bodies. Okay, we're not supposed to go there. There's no way that you can say that's okay in liberty. Okay, now this vital statement that must not be missed, uh, and we began here. All of this pertains to meat and drinks that have no direct command against them. What it's saying is, okay, if that meat was in any other building, any other place, it would be okay. That's what it's saying. If, if whatever you're doing, if you were any other place, if you weren't in the temple and you're out here on the street and you're barbecuing this, this, this cow, okay, it would be okay to eat it. It's talking about any, if it would be okay any other place than, than the fact that it's been here in this temple, in this idol. Okay, if it is okay anywhere, then it's still okay. It's not saying things that are not okay anywhere are suddenly okay. All right. This is what the, chapel, chap, uh, the chapter pertains to. It's a total fallacy to say everything is okay. It is foolish to think that drugs, alcohol, physical relationships, sensuality, sexual music and dancing, which is, which is lasciviousness, are somehow okay because all things are lawful. Nothing can take away your salvation. But listen, but that does not negate the fact that many things are sin and will destroy your life. That's what we have to understand. That in, in this chapter, it, it, this is not directly what it's talking about, but, but you have to understand, first of all, that there are things that are already wrong, principally wrong. They're, they're, they're there in the, in the Scripture over and over again. Uh, you have to violate your conscience as a Christian to do them. You do. And, I, and I was, it just... It's amazing how we want so badly to be able to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And what we've gone to is, is we've gone to, here's how we can do it as a Christian. We've convinced ourselves that in Christian liberty, they're not sin. In Christian liberty, there's almost no sin. But that's not true. Not true at all. Now, this chapter is saying, okay, you know, the principle is that, that we, we're destroying ourselves if we're going to indulge in things that God's already commanded us again and clearly taught us are destructive. We're going to destroy ourselves. Now, the chapter is what it's saying is that you're not just destroying yourself. You are going, as a Christian, you're going to destroy others. The moment I sit up here, and, and, and I pull out and say in Christian liberty, as I heard a pastor do, I pull out a beer and I knock back a beer and tell you in Christian liberty, I'm allowed to do this. I just hurt everybody out there. I just hurt everybody out there. I hurt me. I hurt my family, but I hurt everybody out there. 
God's, this, these chapters are teaching us you ought, if you're truly a Christian and if you're truly as strong as you think you are, then a strong Christian ought to love God and love others. And if you really love others, then you wouldn't do these things just because it gives you some short-term pleasure. It wouldn't, you wouldn't do these things even if they were okay. You wouldn't do them because they're hurting others. Does that make sense to everybody? I hope, I hope it does. And I apologize. Hopefully by Sunday uh, my voice and stuff will be a little bit better. I thank the Lord that I made it through. Brother Allen, if you would close us in prayer. Lord, we, we do thank you for uh, uh, this place. Lord, thank you for what we've heard tonight. 